It was a cool, crisp autumn night. The kind of night perfect for staying indoors and reading a nice book in front of a crackling fire. Unfortunately for Ptolemy Henkel, he was decidedly outdoors, with neither book nor fire to be seen. He knew that the trip to Silog would be a long one, but the king of Apex had personally requested him, and if he put on a good enough performance, perhaps it could turn into a longer arrangement, and he wouldn't need to travel again for years to come. He also knew that his journey would have been far easier if he had just stuck to the coast, but everyone stuck to the coast, and no one came this far towards the brink, and that meant he could expect much better audiences from the various towns and hovels he stopped in along the way. At least, that had been the plan. The sun had disappeared over an hour ago, and Ptolemy Henkel, a half-elf man nearing the end of his first century, was starting to get nervous. He had planned on reaching Little Cedar well before Supernova, yet here he was, tripping over trees without so much as a sign to tell him how much further he had to go. It was the gravity that was the worst part about being this far towards the brink. You didn't feel it so much on yourself. Well, unless you tried to throw yourself over the edge. But thankfully it hadn't come to that. Yet. Rather, it was a subtle effect. One that became apparent with time. And given the age of this forest, it was evident that enough time had passed. The trees of the Ozai Woods didn't grow upwards. Rather, they grew at a sharp angle away from the brink. While it created a rather striking visual effect, Ptolemy Henkel found himself entirely past that point, and had rapidly veered into unmitigated irritation as he found himself scrambling over yet another aggressively slanted oak. The half-elf pulled himself over the offending tree and decided to catch his breath. He dropped his pack to the ground with the indifference of a truly exhausted man but placed the case holding his dulcimer down with the delicacy of a sentient bull who desperately wished to prove he was capable of navigating a china shop. Ptolemy Henkel sighed heavily and leaned against the tree. He ran a finger through his thinning dark hair, although it was still full enough if he brushed it the right way. He sat there for a while, looking up at the few stars he could see through the dense leaning canopy above, then pulled himself to his feet. A warm bed and a hot meal weren't out of the question just yet, and he desperately wished to avoid another night without a roof over his head. Perhaps if he had stopped there, things would have turned out differently. Perhaps with a new day's sun, he would have seen the pitfall, so carelessly camouflaged by brambles and leaves. But he did not stop, and he did not see the pitfall. And so, with a sudden scream, Ptolemy Henkel found himself plummeting into darkness. Ptolemy Henkel awoke a short time later, or perhaps it was a long time later. It was hard to say given the intense ringing in his head. He looked around and realized he had gone his wish. He was indoors, and there was a roaring fire nearby. There was only one drawback, which was that Ptolemy Henkel found himself hanging above the fire, tied to a wooden spit. He looked around and saw his captor, a hill giant, who was chopping at some vegetables with a knife the size of a greatsword. He wore a ratty unitard, apparently fashioned from burlap, and his enormous gut poked out from beneath its scant covering. Um, excuse me, said Ptolemy Henkel. 
The giant turned its bulbous, dirt-streaked face to look at him. Yes? It responded. Well, I just wanted to say, I appreciate you bringing me in out of the cold, but this fire is a little bit warm, and I don't suppose you'd be able to take me away from it. For it not. Ah, very well. Well, at the very least, do you think you could rotate me a bit? It's uh, getting a bit warm on my back. The giant sighed and put down his knife. He slowly plodded his way over to the fire and turned Ptolemy Hankel 90 degrees. Burl? Yes. Thank you. What's your name? Umklorb, said Clarb the giant. My name is Ptolemy Hankel, replied Ptolemy Hankel the half-elf. I'm afraid there's been some misunderstanding. I'm supposed to be performing in Little Cedar later tonight, and this is uh, really messing up my plans. No misunderstanding. I'm hungry, and your dinner. Ah. I see. Well, you wouldn't want to eat me. I'm a rather bony man, and I'd likely get stuck in your throat. I don't mind. Furthermore, I'm terribly morose, and would likely give you indigestion. At this, the giant paused. Then he shrugged and said, It's fine. I'll just take an antacid. Listen, Clarb, I'm a performer by trade, a musician in rather high demand, and I'd like to propose a trade. The giant didn't respond, so Ptolemy Hankel continued on. I uh, imagine you don't see many musicians out here. The giant turned to face him. Sure I do. I ate one just a couple years ago. Ptolemy Hankel was starting to realize why most of his colleagues stuck to the coast. He continued. Well, still, I'd like to propose a trade. I'll play my best songs for you, and in return, you let me go without eating me. The giant shook his head. Sorry, I don't really care for music. It makes me sad. Ptolemy Hankel thought for a second. What about a story? A happy story, full of adventure and intrigue. At this, the giant stopped what he was doing and made his way back to the fire. Not a moment too soon, because the edges of Ptolemy Henkel's cloak were starting to smoke ever so slightly. What's the story about? Ptolemy Henkel thought about the many stories he knew. Some true, some false, some happy, some sad. He cast them all aside. None of that mattered. What he needed most of all was a long story. The kind of story that would distract the giant while the fire burnt itself out. And with enough luck, he'd be able to loosen his restraints and escape. Yes, it must be a long story. Ptolemy Henkel thought for a second longer, then replied, It's uh, about a missing princess, and three heroes who set out to find her. For a long time, Clarb remained silent. Then he nodded his head. All right, you tell your story, and I'll keep cutting my vegetables. And if you tell a good story, I'll let you go. But if I don't like it, I'm going to eat you. It wasn't a perfect arrangement. But it was a start. Ptolemy Henkel attempted to straighten up and began to recite his chosen story. Amongst the endless cosmos of the material plane, floating amongst the stars, there is a bird, a phoenix to be precise. Its name is Pharos. This bird has two eggs, known as Golo and Ketchu, which it travels between at different times of the year. None can say precisely how long Pharos has been there, but it has been a very long time. Beneath the great bird Pharos and its eggs, there is a world. It is flat, as all worlds are, and it is composed of a single continent that wraps around the outer edge of the planet, and at its center is a vast ocean, the Elsween Ocean. 
The elves were the first people of this world, and they called it Zaviel Indiririth, Ulith which in their language means first world. Elves are known for their long lifespans, and as such, they had the time to pronounce the name in its entirety. However, when other species of humanoids began to appear throughout this new world, they found their days were too limited for such a cumbersome name, and they began to shorten it. The humans were the last major species on this new world, and their days were also the shortest. As such, they began to refer to the planet as Zav. Hey, I already know all this. Ptolemy Henkel frowned skeptically. It's necessary to set the stage for the story. I don't come to your home and tell you how to cook unsuspecting bards. You've already done that. Ah, you're right. Sorry. Ptolemy Henkel composed himself, then carried on. Zav is a diverse world, full of all manner of peoples. There are the noble elves of Ulithor Thayad, and the dragon lords of Alasha. There are the proud dwarves of Nervaldir, and their neighbors, the orcs of Mount Drawbank. Ptolemy Hankel looked over at the single member of his audience. And, of course, there are the mighty giants. These people live in relative peace, though sometimes there are times of war and strife. Our story begins in one of these times of peace. Although, it is a peace that will not last, because powerful, malevolent forces are at work. If we were to look down upon Zav, as the great bird Pharos does, and look towards the southern coast of the Elsewhere Ocean, we would see a great kingdom. The land it sits upon resembles a trident, and at the tip of this trident is the great city of Erdenine, the crown jewel of the Crownlands. At the very tip of this trident is an immense castle. Its name is Balefire Palace, and at its center sits an immense tower, and at the top of the tower is a signal fire that burns brightly for all to see. Moving away from this castle, one would see elegant manors and spectacular arcane wonders that are befitting of a city of Erdenine's storied reputation. Perhaps the greatest of these wonders is Oceancrest Falls, an immense waterfall from which a countless gallons pour from the Elsuin Ocean into the city itself. And yet, the city does not flood. The majority of Erdenine sits below sea level, under an endless cascade, and yet, it still stands. However, despite the many wonders of Erdenine, it is a time of crisis because the princess, Princess Callista Galtries, the only child of King Ferran Galtries, an heir to the Tide's Collar throne, has gone missing. It is all that anybody can talk about. Well, except for one individual, a halfling man, who has just arrived at the gates of Erdenine and does not know what has befallen it. Travelers and sit on the stoop We'll tell you a story about Bard Soup Three lovable scamps in our traveling troop We'll tell you a story about Bard Soup Glimkey Treefellow, you have been traveling for quite some time now. About four and a half months or about 180 days. 
And yet in that small amount of time, you've already seen so much. You spent time amongst the dragonborn of Al-Arsha, and you spent some more time traveling with a group of boundless pilgrims as they made their way around the planet. You parted ways with them but a short time ago because it was in your heart to see the great city of Erdenine and all the wonders it holds. I ask at this time for you to tell me what Glimkey Treefellow looks like. Um, yeah. So, Glimkey is a, uh, a nice, uh, tall 3-3. Three, three. Um, not, uh, maybe not the tallest by other species standard, but he's, he's feeling pretty confident about his height amongst the other gnomes. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been traveling, so he's looking quite like a nomad. Um, he's, he's got, uh, on some nice leathers and he's he's wrapped in kind of like this olive green kind of half cloak um and you can see his kind of bushy brown hair um you know under from underneath that that uh that hood um aside from that he's got a nice big backpack of all of his goods that he had um stubbornly packed uh before his journey out um, and i'm sure he's been collecting some souvenirs along the way um yeah, and uh, I guess he's he's kind of at the moment bewildered by uh, this massive city that he's finally uh, gotten to see. So yeah, you are standing outside the city when we join Glinky Treefellow, and you kind of round the top of a, a hill, and you can see the entire city of Erdenine laid out before you. In the distance are several islands that are connected to the city by vast bridges several of which reflect the early afternoon sun, and you see an immense wall erected around the city, which holds the ocean at bay. Except for at one point, where you see a massive waterfall stemming from the ocean that is pouring into the city. On the eastern edge, you see a port with countless tall ships bearing the colors of a dozen different nations. And as you begin to approach the city, you see that there is a long line of people waiting to enter it, and more than a dozen guards are in the process of inspecting everyone who attempts to enter. You wait for over an hour, until a human man with gray hair and heavy bags under his eyes waves you over. What's your business in the city, sir? Um, I've uh, come to, to visit. I, I'm sightseeing, if you will. You see, I'm, 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 I'm actually here wayfaring. Uh, have you ever heard of it? He, uh, he kind of looks at you without saying anything for like a, a, a second longer than you're comfortable, and then he says, "No, can't say that I have." Oh well, well, I. It, it's simple to say, you know, I'm I'm just traveling around trying to take in the sights before heading back home. I, I figured this would be a, something that I should add to the bucket list. <sighs> How long are you planning on staying in the city, sir? Well. Uh, I, I don't really have any place to be immediately, so I, I, I mean, as long as I'm welcome. Mm-hmm. How, how many days would you suggest, you know, to take it all in? <sighs> A week? Ah, that, what, no, never mind. What are we, why are we talking about this? <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, it's been a difficult couple of days. The, um, the princess missing and we're all just a little on edge is missing I, for, for how long do you, do you know what happened 
mean, not beyond what people are saying. I mean, huh. she wasn't in her room two days ago, and uh, wow. searched for her, and she wasn't in the castle, and well, they haven't been able to locate her since. And everyone's a little on edge, is all. Right. Uh, do they have their own type of wayfaring here? Perhaps she's just gone out to sightsee for herself? I. Uh... He looks at you with Imagine you've just, like, spilled coffee on your dad's shirt. Mm. And he is really pissed off because, man, he's really got to make this presentation go well. But also, you're his boy, and he loves you, you know? So he looks at you with just, like, this exasperated uh, sort of patience. And he says, we we don't do that here, uh, especially not princesses. So, I mean, and, and Glinky looks around and leans in to quietly whisper... You don't think that she's been kidnapped, do you? It's possible. There's been no ransom demand, but, I mean... Well, that is quite the turn of events. I, I'm sorry, yes, that does sound stressful. He uh, kind of pauses again, and he looks you up and down. Uh, and you have a, a great sword, is it? Or I think just a sword, long sword. Sure. Long sword, sure. Uh, so yeah, is that strapped to your back or at your at your hip? Yeah, I would imagine it's like kind of clipped to the the bag. Um, it's kind of his his whole backpack setup here has got everything kind of clipped and and tied to it. Sure. Uh, he looks down at your uh, yeah the, the, the sword strapped to your pack, and he he takes in the shield that you you have you carry on your person as well. He sees a glint of armor underneath your cloak, and he says. Assuming you know how to use the sword and board you carry with you, perhaps you could be of use. I've uh, I've heard it said that the king has put out a call for, well, any who could aid in the search for the princess. And if you're if you're interested, uh, I believe first thing tomorrow morning he is uh, gathering all who are willing and able and charging them with finding his daughter. So. Perhaps it's something you will consider. So you're telling me you're going to let me in, and also there's an opportunity to go on a big adventure to find this lady? Yeah, but I wouldn't... Okay, well, sign me up! <laughs> All right, sure. I... Word of advice. I might keep your cheery disposition a little less... Got so, it. Yeah, just just rein it in just a bit. And it's, <clears throat> it's a difficult time. Mm-hmm. I see. Yes, quite. Um, sorry. No, no, it's fine. And he uh, steps away, steps aside, and uh, waves you through, and you are granted access to the city. Whew. Passing uh, beneath the portcullis that barred your way, you find yourself standing in the streets of Erdenine. You've been to a few cities during your time away from home. Port towns on the edge of the Great Elven Forest, the land of the Dragon Lords, you've seen some of their great cities, but none have carried the same diversity and just frenetic energy of Erdenin. You see a, a dwarven man 
with gold earrings the size of dinner plates. He's bartering with a pair of slender silver dragon horns. You see a trio of children, one human, one elven, and one half-orc, go tumbling past, chasing after a patchwork ball. You hear the sound of hooves on cobblestone behind you, and you turn to see a proud-looking centaur, covered in golden armor, pushing his way through the crowd. A dwarf, which is the offspring of a dwarf and an orc, exclaims, By the orc dad, that's Keth the Wastewalker! What? <laughs> Who? <laughs> the centaur! Oh, in the, the gold armor? Do you see any other centaurs? No, I, I guess not. Who was it again? Keth, the Wastewalker. Have you not heard of him? No, no, of course. Yes. Uh, Wastewalker, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he frowns at you skeptically and then walks away. Um, yeah, I will say, as, as a dwarf, he carries sort of the uh, the physical characteristics of both a dwarf and an orc. He's short, about the size of a typical dwarf, but with kind of the gray, greenish skin of an orc and the protruding tusks to match. Mm. And yeah, he walks away from you not buying whatever it is you're selling. Uh, and what is it you want to do? Um, what is around me right now? Is this kind of, like... Yeah, what is the immediate surroundings right now kind of walking in here? Yeah, there are more people than you have ever seen in your entire life here. Uh, oh just my for gosh. starters. Okay. Uh, there is a immense uh, cacophony of noise, of people bartering, of horses and carriages drifting past. Uh, there's the smell of uh, meat cooking. You see several vendors with meats that you've never seen before on skewers or just on big open fire pits that they're selling. Uh, you see a baker with just like this tray of just like a hundred loaves of bread stacked up on top of each other. Is there um, is there any like hint of uh, I don't know like like trees in the city? Like is it all stone cobblestone buildings? Do they have any like um, you know green space? <laughs> I would say in these early. Uh, parts of the city, these immediate parts that you first entered, there does not appear to be much green space. There's, like, maybe the occasional like potted plant, but yeah, far less greenery than you're used to. Okay. Yeah, this is a <laughs> bit much. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I'm gonna go up to one of the potted plants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and Glinky's <laughs> uh, just gonna go up to one of these potted plants, kind of it's going to sound weird. He's just going to bury his face in it and just breathe in and get some of that that green yeah. smell in his oh. lungs. Yeah, you get a nice nice green hit. Uh, kind of feel feel a little bit of pollen enter your, enter your sinuses. Um, and as you do, you feel kind of like a, a tingling on the back of your head, kind of in your hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I kind of pull my my hood a little like tighter, um, and yeah, and I, I'm just gonna I guess continue walking through the town. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, is there anything particular you wish to see or do as your first order of business upon arriving here? Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Um, I've been looking for. Um, for like libraries, if I don't know if they got any of those here, they must have a big one. 
I'm sure they do. Uh, you don't know for a fact. Uh, you you know don't have a travel guide uh, for this place, uh, unfortunately. I think probably back home you occasionally read a uh, there's a rather famous halfling uh, travel blogger by the name of Vera Loneberry. Uh, she's put out <laughs> many a guide over the years, but unfortunately you don't have a copy with you. Um, her, her yeah, most recent travel guide darn it <laughs> um but you know it's figured in your travel so far big city often has library or bookstores yeah but uh yeah let me let me suss one of those out i think that's gonna be the the move here okay uh give me an investigation check oh hell yeah First roll of the game. Woo! Has to find a library. Sixteen. Ooh. Okay. You kind of start to navigate the streets. You're walking. You see like these great open marketplaces. There's stacks of spices piled up. Uh, you see this uh, this minotaur woman kind of pushing her way through the crowd with these. These just jagged horns poking out of her head. Uh, you see several people dressed in these red silks that cover every inch of their body. You don't see a, a bit of skin. Um, and you, you know, you ask around, and you are pointed in a direction towards uh, something—a bookstore called There Once Was. Wow. What does it look like? <laughs> uh, How big is it? <laughs> it's not huge. You oh. look around, and while this city is rather spectacular, it does seem to be a rather crowded part of the city. Uh, mm. You get the sense that there's just yeah, a lot of people here, not necessarily the wealthiest people in the city, uh, take up residence in this, this neighborhood. Um, the shop itself is moderately sized. It's got a, a simple... Uh, a simple sign above the door that just like depicts a stack of you know three or four books and uh it's a little a little bell above the of the door as you uh, as you push it open uh, the bell goes off and you you see a rather young looking elven woman and uh she kind of looks as the bell rings she kind of looks and looks around scans the room and then looks down and she spots you and says Oh, hello. How might I help you, young master? Um, and, uh, I guess Grimpy takes a look around the store here. It's probably one of the more substantial shops that he's been in. Uh, <clears throat> Possibly the most substantial. And he, uh, he fishes around in his pockets um, to pull out a list. Um, and he says, uh, if you, if you don't mind, um, could you help me find some books ah, of course it'd be my pleasure of, of course I, I i don't need all of them um here perhaps we can start with something simple um maybe this one here it, the the lightning wolf have you heard of that uh, yes the lightning wolf is rather popular amongst our younger readers uh, i have not read it myself but it's my understanding it is quite the uh, dramatic tale full of all manner of uh, well lightning and wolves that, that <laughs> sounds that sounds like the one I might still have a copy on reserve uh, 
give me one second. And uh, she steps away. She goes into the back. You hear a sound of rustling papers, trash can lid, a screeching cat. Uh, She comes back out with a a copy of a book. It is bound in in leather, and there is an embossed uh, wolf with lightning kind of streaking out behind it uh, on the cover. Wow. That's, looks, that looks like the one. Wonderful. Now, hmm, I must tell you, it was on reserve. Uh, it is promised to another buyer. Oh. But she kind of looks around conspiratorially. She says, well, perhaps for the right uh, price, I might be able to uh, give it to you instead. Oh. How long has it been on hold for a few days hmm and how much might it cost to skip the line <laughs> oh perhaps seven gold pieces hmm um interesting um do you have another book on this list that I could look at I I would just feel um terrible the money definitely not the problem um (laughs) the there's a bit of a you know a moral dilemma here i really don't think that i should uh you know be taking this out of the palms of somebody for for all we know it could be belonging uh to uh to a future child that will enjoy it and i would hate to steal this away from them (laughs) (laughs) a future child (laughs) yet to be born perhaps (laughs) very well very well Perhaps I can search for something else. Um, she takes the list from you, and she mm-hmm. uh, she looks around. What is another title on your list? I'm looking for another one called The Floral Compendium, uh, a guide of the flora of the realm. Ah. Yes. Um, I think we may have a copy of that. It's maybe an older edition. It might not be the most current, but uh, it makes it a collector's item. Mm, I see. Uh, she kind of goes back into the the back of the store, and she comes back with this uh, dust cover. There's like a paper sleeve on it that's like torn in several spots, and she says, "Ah, almost as good as new." Um, and I am almost afraid to ask, how much do you think this would would run me? I could excuse it for five gold. Hey, um, hmm. <laughs> This is a question for the DM. I don't know how much money I have. <laughs> with, with your given background, you would have started with 10 gold. Um, oh, wow. You've been on the road for <laughs> quite some time. I would say you've probably like had to work the occasional odd job, you know, like pay for your way, uh, mm-hmm. done a bit of scrounging. I would say you have 10 gold. Because um, wow, we'll say okay. you started with like, you know, a decent amount from your family to help you on mm-hmm. your way. Or say you're down to like your last ten. Can I take a look at the book? Sure. <laughs> yeah, let me. I just want to, you know, see if it's the right one. Yeah. You, uh, you, you kind of pull over a stool and are able to climb up, so you can look down at the counter and you you flip it open, and there's these beautiful illustrations of uh, various various plants and kind of like pencil line work. How's how's the condition? <laughs> Not bad. The the, the dust jacket's a little beat up but the uh the book itself is in pretty good shape 
Interesting. Is she watching me right now? <laughs> <laughs> Intently. Oh. Um. <laughs> While I'm looking at this one, do you mind looking for another one of the titles on here? <laughs> Give me a persuasion roll. Okay. Hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten. <laughs> ten. Ten is what you needed. Wow. She says, um, of course. And she, uh, she kind of looks through the, your list and she says, um, I might have a few of these still. I will be back momentarily. And she disappears once more into the back of the store. All right. While she's not looking, can I dog ear one of the pages? <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you quickly uh, crease yeah the corner of a of a certain plant and yeah, like to, like a third into the book. Okay, very good. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And uh, she comes back a few minutes later, shaking her head. She says, "I'm sorry, I'm afraid uh, this would be the only one on your list today." Ah, that's unfortunate. And I'll take that list back from you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I was flipping through the book and uh, it it seems, you know, that perhaps this book had a previous owner. It looks like someone got somewhat into it, uh, marked a page. (laughs) Oh, allow me. And she flips it open and uh, she says, "Hmm, easy enough fix. And she mutters off a slight incantation, and you watch as the crease decreases. It uncreases itself, and the page is mended and regains its former uh, smoothness. She says, ah, there we go. Practically good as new. Perfect. So four gold, right? (laughs) Give me another persuasion roll. (laughs) Uh, Eleven. Eleven. She says... All right. I suppose I can do four gold today. Um, is there any uh, cool bookmarks? <laughs> I'm, af- I'm afraid not. Uh, I could wrap no. it in paper if you would like, if you plan on traveling with it for some time. That would be very kind. Yes, thank you. And she takes it and she wraps it in brown paper and ties a little ribbon around it. Not like a ribbon, but like a string, you know, around it and uh, hands it to you and says, uh, please consider us for any future purchases you may require. We get new inventory in all the time. So that that would be great. You know, I I may come back. You know, if that book, uh, the Lightning Wolf, is still here after a couple of days, I could be convinced. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe take that off your hands. Very good. If it is still uh, in our possession, then I will keep you in mind. Perfect. Thank you. Cling cling. Uh, you step out. <laughs> I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Ah. <laughs> Oops. Oh no. Okay. That's a nice four. Awesome. Okay. Uh, you step out onto the street, kind of, you know, holding this book in hand, and you are hit by a carriage. Uh, you take seven. By the gods. Rest in peace, Glimky. You take what the? seven bludgeoning damage. Uh. And your head kind of hits the ground painfully and your ears start ringing. And we are going to cut away. Uh, uh. <laughs> we leave Glimkey 
on the streets of the Silver District, as he may one day learn, uh, it is called, and we travel northwards. And we travel over this great waterfall, the Ocean Crest Falls, through winding streets and into a rather, well, just rather nice area of the city. There is greenery here. There's wide, sprawling streets. There are lined with ever-burning torches and uh, beautifully enchanted trees that are always in bloom. And we see a manor house with a courtyard, uh, kind of well-maintained grass around it and several shrubs. Uh, and we kind of pan up to the second floor and through the window. And it is there we see an elven woman. She has a rather nasty bruise on her head, and if you are paying close attention, you will notice that she winces whenever she takes a deep breath, probably on account of at least one, maybe two cracked ribs. Faunal and Vaydark. It has been two days since the incident at the Drifting Terraces. As I said, you have a bruise on your head that is starting to fade, and cracked ribs that, uh, despite the best efforts of a healing potion and several days of bed rest, appear to be well and truly uh, damaged. But you are alive, which is more than what some can say. Would you please describe yourself? Yes, so, um, Fonalyn is a youngish-looking elven woman. She's quite, uh, tall and lanky, and even now in this kind of bed-rested state, she's wearing just the most ridiculous, old-timey, over-the-top, opulent garb that you've ever seen. I think she's wearing, like, a, like, um, God, what's his name? The the kid who the guy who throws money out the window, Ghost of Christmas Past, Scrooge. She's wearing like a, a Scroogean kind of nightshirt and like full pants, and there's ruffles, and these are her sleep clothes, and she's still wearing her wig. She's never without it. Um, she has on at all times in this sphere of opulence, um, just a very tall, towering Regency, not even Regency, like French Rococo style. Um, wig that's just adorned with uh with gems and bows um yeah she's uh she's she's she has terrible eyesight so she's at all times wearing glasses um little round glasses that kind of perch on the edge of her nose and despite being very young um there's something about the giant gray wig and tiny glasses and ridiculous clothes that give her a very old ladyish vibe um but if you looked closely enough, you would see that she has very nice sort of hazel eyes and a, a spray of freckles that she's off to hide those freckles behind thick, powdery, white, uh, French, Rococo-style makeup. Amazing. Um, she's a lot. What can I say? And as she is laying there in bed, resting, um, it's a few hours after dawn, after Nova, and you hear a, a gentle knocking at the door. Uh, yes, who is it? It's, it's me, F Fallow. Oh God, Fallow, get in here immediately. 
and the door swings open and you see your companion and confidant, uh, Fallow Kent. She is the head of the servants. She manages the servants for House Berthold, which is the house that has put you up for the summer. And you see that she has short, curly white hair, these thick glasses that kind of uh, if she was ever to take them off, you see she's got some pretty dense cataracts that have formed. Uh, she often wears simple dresses made of shearling in various shades of green and blue. Today it's a uh, maroon dress. Uh, and she says, how, how are you, dear? Are you are you doing well today? Honestly, fellow, it's it's freaking ridiculous that their healing potions can't fix these goddamn ribs. I mean, I thought this was an upper class house. I would never say this to my hosts, but like, what the hell? Well, you did fall off the drifting terraces, dear. Uh, no, darling, I didn't fall. I jumped. Okay, I mean that's a fair point, I suppose, but. I mean, point being, you did fall a great height, and uh, I mean, I think by all accounts, you're lucky to be alive. So, I mean, far be it for me to suppose anything, but I, I mean, I don't know. If I was to fall off a magical tower and only had a couple cracked ribs and a bruise, I'd probably count that a win. Hello, if you had jumped off of the tower, you would have disintegrated into <laughs> dust. She uh, scowls at you and then starts to laugh. <laughs> You're wicked. Yes, you look positively wicked today. Are you trying to impress someone with this maroon shift of yours? No, I just wanted to wear maroon. Is that so wrong? A bold choice given the season. Oh, yes, I know. I was just hoping to bring some levity. Things have been so dour these last couple of days. I thought putting on this red dress would make everyone feel happy. And it has, Fallow. Spot on, as always. Oh, thank you. Did you come here for a reason or just to sort of, you know, shoot the shit? Because you know I'm always down to shoot whatever shit might pass my window. Well, on one hand, no, I came with the reason, but I... <laughs> Also, I'm here for you if you wish to discuss what happened, or... I do. I do want to discuss what happened. Because the thing that I can't get off my mind is the fact that Lord Jasper Bristol has been cuckolded by Baron Ramus' humiliation. I just can't stop thinking about it. You know, while I was falling from the tower, that was the last thought that I had before I hit. You know, I was thinking, God, what a nightmare if I can't tell follow that Lord Jasper Bristol has been cuckolded. That's fascinating. Um, I think we need to talk about your priorities at some point, but it's not my place to say. Um, huh. Interesting. Um, that is quite the allegation. Uh, wherever did you hear this? Oh, I heard it at the, at, the, at the soiree the other night. You know, the one that immediately preceded my near-life-ending injuries. Right, yes, famously. Um, well, yes, if you would... Well, well humiliation is the uh, topic of conversation. I, I did hear that Lord Berthold has made his way to Humiliation House this morn to attempt to resolve the situation. 
and what has transpired as of late. Sorry, resolve what exactly? Well, you know, the fact that you received a signed letter, or rather a sealed letter, from Humiliation House, and then proceeded to nearly die, I suppose. Right, that situation, Mm -hmm. yes. Yes, Yes. perhaps if you thought a little less about gossip, you would remember that you nearly died two days ago. Okay, red dress fellow, you're feeling rather spicy today. You know what? I deserve that. I deserve that. But, but, yes. consider. <laughs> Considering. That Lady Lorasta has taken a bugbear for a lover. Do you know Lady Lorasta? <laughs> oh, you're wicked. You're wicked. Uh, you can't be trouting around that rumor. I heard he's just an incredibly hairy man. Well, I haven't seen him, but, uh, you know, if I ever make it out of this bed, if I, if I should live long enough, then I shall be sure to let you know. Now, I have a question, Fado. Have I had a visitor by the name of Sir Cloutier? Uh, no, there's been no visitors, I'm afraid. Um, oh, it is so hard to find good pawns these days. Well, I, I think it's uh, the simple fact that you're incident was the talk of the town until the princess went missing approximately eight hours later in which case that immediately supplanted uh, any political or uh, social interest you had managed to garner i'm afraid oh yes i i completely forgot about the whole kidnapping thing yes i suppose i suppose that is rather a big deal kidnapping's a rather strong word we don't know what's happened to the fair princess well i can't say that she would run away you see i happen to have met sir prince elling malforth the other night you know when he saved my life and all and i can't imagine that she would run away tremendously fast from a marriage with such a dashing hunk of a human yeah that's true if i was but 20 years younger (laughs) oh fellow (laughs) and uh she says um Granted, uh, I did come here with uh, a, a purpose beyond idle gossip. Um, Lady Berthold is uh, in a rather, uh, well, I'm, frankly, she's mortified about what happened to you. And she wishes to remedy the situation in the only way she knows, uh, by which I mean she wishes to take you shopping to replace the dress that was ruined when you fell off, or shall I say, jumped off, my apologies, ma'am, from the drifting terraces. Well, I am, as you know, tremendously injured, and it's really a miracle that I lived, and it's really rather down to my strong constitution and dazzling bravery that I managed to survive this song. But I suppose if if I must go out and... um, like convalesce for my health, then I suppose I must do it. And I spring out of bed and like run to my closet with the appearance of someone who is completely uninjured. Amazing. <laughs> um, Fallow helps you get ready uh, and it goes fairly smoothly. You do want to pass out when she cinches your corset. Uh, <laughs> but, you know. Tighter! <laughs> and she acquiesces. <laughs> uh, I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Okay. Can I roll for snatchedness? <laughs> Oh, I rolled high well. <laughs> I rolled a 19. And what do I roll for snatchedness? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to link these two together. Uh you 
she cinches it. You have a 19 constitution save. Uh, and you're like, Taita! And she cinches it even tighter. And damn, you're snatched. I guess those cracked ribs just like broke all the way, hey? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the fewer the ribs, the skinnier the waist. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I've been telling my doctor, and she just won't do it for me. <laughs> uh, so, Fonalyn, you are uh, aided by Fallow. She helps you get dressed, and you make your way downstairs from your from your guest room and uh, kind of make your way out onto the front step where you find Lady Amala uh, Berthold. She is a gnomish woman in her late 60s, which is, of course, middle-aged by gnomish standards, uh, she is the uh, Viscountess of House Berthold. She has chestnut brown hair, uh, but you have seldom seen it because she never leaves home without a powdered wig. You are very much kindred, uh, kindred spirits in that regard. You know that she also uh, prefers to wear fancy dresses, often in shades of purple, which is what she's wearing today. She's wearing a very frilly uh, lavender, lavender gown. And uh, she sees you step out onto the front step and she says, uh, Hello, dear. How are you today? Oh, darling, I'm quite, uh, quite malaise. You see, I have a dreadful bruise. I just hope my makeup has covered it up adequately. In your time that you've known Lady Berthold, she is a very uh, uh, lighthearted individual. She doesn't care mm. to be bogged down by the trials and tribulations of the world. Uh, yes, that's you- why she drinks so much, eh? exactly and she, she's a canonical drunk for those of you listening <laughs> and she kind of uh you watch as she kind of chews on her lip uh for a second uh and she says i'm so terribly sorry about what happened to you it's uh so dreadful oh well i mean it's rather not your fault darling darling in fact you know i feel a bit bad because i did ask for a chaperone and then equal got well brutally murdered which i feel you know, rather down about. Not only were you fond of her, I think, but also now you've got an opening to fill in the house, and that's terrible bother. <sighs> it is. It is. It's oil. It's. It's fine. I mean, Fallow will find someone. I'm sure. It's not really my ob- my obligation, my responsibility. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yes. No. That Fallow is quite good at her job. You know, I um, <clears throat> I rather admire her skills as a housekeeper. As do I. She's, uh... Yes, have you considered giving her a sort of a, a, a raise or something like that? It's just that I I rather found that in my own household, it's important to monetarily appreciate my, um, you know, my staff so that they don't get whisked away by someone else, poached, if you will. Um, and of course, money is nothing to us, isn't it? Yes, um, not, not an obstacle at all. An additional two gold piece a, a fortnight, I should think, should be, um adequate give me a persuasion roll <laughs> i gotta i gotta represent my homies oh okay that's a 16 plus a 5 is a 21 uh she says um yes that's an excellent point lady vedak i shall most assuredly inform fallow of her increase in wages <laughs> quite now there was one other matter to discuss before we head out for our our little um shopping escapade uh, and that is i i was w- wondering rather if my 
the incident the other night could be sort of kept out of the the papers, as it were. I know that you are um, tremendously discreet, and I just I just think it would be such a shame if uh, my name were sort of circulated and people sort of, you know, their attention were sort of drawn to me and then people were like, oh, Lady Fonalyn Vadark is here? That's strange because I thought she was somewhere else or, you know, something like that because um, rather it would, you know, just, you know, just thinking it might draw away attention from the terrible tragedy that is Lady Callista's disappearance. Well, um, I certainly haven't told anyone about it, but uh, I mean, well... My husband, Lord Chasm, is at Humiliation Haitian House, or he was rather earlier today, and did discuss the incident with the Baron. Um, so I can't promise that it won't spread from there. Well, uh, perhaps you might have just a word with the Baron and say, or, or with, rather with your husband, the Viscount, and say, um, you know, it's no biggie. Uh, really no biggie at all because I am just fine. In fact, I've never been skinnier and, um, (laughs) and, um, I just don't really think that people need to be talking about me when really they should be talking about, for example, um, 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 the, the princess's kidnapping or Lady Larasta and her ferocious lover or the cuckoldry that I told you about or any sort of other piece of scintillating gossip. Give me a, another persuasion roll. Can I have advantage for the use of the word cuckolding? You cannot, because there's a lot oh. of that being thrown around. What about Don't need it, because that's a dirty that 24. Was... Skintil- <laughs> <laughs> Just making up words. <laughs> uh, 24 persuasion. Uh, you make your point and she looks like she's about to say something and then you bring up the princess and she says, oh yes, Princess Callista, how awful. Um, yes, that should be what we all focus on these days. I, I heard that, uh, well, it's probably just a rumor, but it's very interesting. Would you like, would you like to hear it? Oh, you know, we shouldn't gossip. So yes, tell me. Uh, she gestures towards the, there's a nearby carriage and you see there is a, a gnomish fellow, uh, sitting atop it. There's a couple of horses set to pull it, uh, and standing by the door of the carriage, you see a, uh, a dwarf. Uh, and she says, I'll tell you on the way. This is Crombeck, lung crusher. He is a little bit of added security that we have hired to uh, escort uh, any members of the household as they venture out into the streets. Whether it be us or you, Crombeck here will be, well, here to protect us. And yeah, you look over at this this dwarf. He's about you know four-ish feet tall. He's got uh, gray skin with just like the smallest... Uh, bit of brown mixed in kind of like a taupe color uh he's got a top knot and these prominent tusks that stick out and he kind of nods his head politely and says lady vadok it's a pleasure to meet your acquaintance i will be keeping you safe henceforth during the entirety of my contract with house berthold uh, pleased to meet you sir lung crusher and may I say, what a charming and evocative name you have. He uh, grimaces as you say that, actually. And he says, 
actually. Uh, it's my father's surname. I <laughs> inherited it from him. And, uh, uh, well, to be frank, I don't care for it, but it does get you hired, so. Did he really just pull up, please, Mr. Lungcrusher was my father's name? He did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Um, sh- should I call you Crumbeck then? It feels rather forward, but I'm fine with it if you are. I am at your service, milady. You may call me what you wish. Okay, lung crusher it is. Onward! <laughs> so he uh, pulls out a stool and helps uh, uh, Lady Berthold, uh, who, as I mentioned, is a gnomish woman, helps her into the carriage, which is built for someone of your size and stature. Uh, you climb in without necessarily needing a stool, and the gnome sitting atop, who you would know as Calston Faddlefeddle, who uh, drives the the birthhold carriage uh he kind of goes up yeah and the <laughs> carriage starts to move into the streets and as it's kind of rocking uh its way through the streets uh lady birthhold leans in and she says okay so i don't think i've ever asked you this but um have you ever been to madame fauvemont's have i are you asking me that's a question for the dm yeah you have not uh, if you want to give me a history roll, uh, I can maybe tell you something about it. Ooh, that's not good. Uh, that is a four. Four. You're new to the city, and you have never heard of Madame Fauvemont's. No, darling, I can't say I have. Ah, well, we will have to remedy this today. She takes up residence in the Silver District, which I know, how gauche, but she makes the most spectacular dresses, and usually it is months-long wait to get in. But I managed to pull a few strings, and she had an opening today. So uh, we're going to head over there. We should be there in uh, maybe 20 minutes or so. Uh, And in the meantime, and she kind of gestures out the window, and the carriage is moving out of the uh, the Sapphire District, which you are in, uh, over the Ocean Crest Bridge, which kind of takes you to the uh, opposite side of the, uh, the waterfall. And then there's a kind of sloping path that leads down to the lower part of the city, the undercity, if you will. Uh, and she gestures out the window at this cascading waterfall, and it gets quite loud. And she says, I heard two nights ago, on the night the princess disappeared. And the night of my attempted murder. Yes, also on the night of your attempted murder. Carry on, darling. I Well, I heard that uh, the captain of the guard, uh, Arden Duthane, he allegedly uh, received a report that uh, there was a woman who threw herself over the falls on the night of the incident, but no body was found. Isn't that fascinating? I suppose it's fascinating in the sense that sometimes bodies float when they hit the water from a tremendous height, but also you're telling me they threw themselves off of the top of the falls. What, I mean, what what, what yes. height is that, would you say? Like, what is that, like a hundred feet or something? Oh, probably, give or take. I mean, okay, yes, I guess it's interesting that no body was found after it fell a hundred feet. Also that a young woman threw herself off the falls the night the princess goes missing? Oh, you actually, I, I think I fixated on the wrong part of that news. That actually is rather interesting. See, a young woman could be the princess. Yes. <laughs> That's what I thought, too! Insight, did she think that? Go ahead. 
Okay. Um, that's an now, eight. Now this is skin to listen news. Skin to ten to titillating. With an eight, you get the sense that not only did she already know, or she'd already made that connection between mm. woman throws herself over waterfall, princess is missing. Uh, not only has she already made that connection, she is feeling incredibly smug that she made it before you because typically in your social encounters, she can be a little ditzy, you know? She's sometimes a little drunk by 2 p.m. Uh, <laughs> and for once, she's beating you to the punch and damn, it feels good. You know what? I must say, Amala darling, you really are rather clever when it comes to these sort of deductions. You know, I, I always think that. I just know when I give you a juicy piece of gossip that you're going to get to the heart of it rather quickly. I always think that. She uh, kind of starts to smile smugly and is about to respond when suddenly you hear from outside, uh, Calston goes, Oh no! And there's a... Oh no! <laughs> there's two pronounced bumps as uh, uh, the carriage rolls over something. Yeah, I wonder what that was. Should we go check? Um, well, perhaps, uh, perhaps Crombeck could take care. That seems like Crombeck. Would you mind uh, seeing? All right, Crombeck, let's go. And I, I want to hop out with Crombeck. Uh, he says, "All right." <laughs> and he's got this like sword strapped to his back, and he pulls it off, uh, and hops down. And you see, lying on the ground, bleeding, just a few feet behind the carriage, is a gnomish fellow with a kind of cloak. Uh, you notice that his hood, which uh, perhaps was at one point pulled over his head, has kind of fallen back as he's lying on the ground. There is a paper-bound book just a few uh, inches from his outstretched hand. Uh, and uh, Glimkey, you are feeling like you've just been run over. By the gods! <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> you got to watch out. Crumbeck, go go check to see if he's alive. Would yeah, Crumbeck starts to make his way over, and you see that uh, uh, Calston, uh, the, uh, the the carriage driver, he is kind of standing next to this gnome, and he's kind of kicking him. He says, "Oh, come on, get up! If you die, I'm going to lose my license." I I'm not going to die. Okay. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm just a little surprised that these streets are so bloody narrow. I just stepped out of this store. <laughs> uh, Glim Glimkey, you look up and yeah, there's this 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 uh, gnomish fellow standing over you. And a little ways back is a, another dwarf. Uh, and he's got this sword drawn. He's making his way towards you. And he leans in next to the, the gnome and says, I could kill him and then there'll be no witnesses. And we can pretend none of this ever happened. And I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure I can hear you. <laughs> Do I hear that? <laughs> uh, you do. He's subtle, but he's not that subtle. L listen, you, there's no need to kill anybody. You see, if he's dead, look, he can't go to the cops. Look, 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 look. No witnesses. That's my motto. And Calston kind of looks down and says, well, that's a tempting proposition because I really do need this job. But uh... All right, enough, gentlemen, enough. Let's, <laughs> let's not kill anybody, I don't think. You know, it, the creature is right. These streets are shamefully narrow. It's honestly a disgrace to the capital. Now, tell me, young sir, um, are you well? I've been better. But <laughs> look, there's no need to, to get the, the, the guard involved. Um, I mean, 
the only thing that I think is truly damaged is this book. Look, one of these pages is dog-eared. <laughs> and I fold another page. <laughs> oh, that is so unfortunate. It is It is absolutely dreadful when yeah. one's precious belongings are destroyed. Yeah. Now, how can we compensate you for this dreadful loss? Especially because I just bought it, and I bought it for five gold. <laughs> You know what? I really think that you should be compensated in full. Now, now, Lung Crusher, uh, what's your name? Uh, Faddle Feddle, have either of you got petty cash on you? The gentleman needs to be paid. That's what I make in a week, Mum. Well, guess I saved up for eight months to buy this so you can spare it. (laughs) Now, it's my opinion that I think my friend here wishes you were dead and i'm open to it but i'm going to let you live on this fine day and in exchange you'll stay out of the way of lady berthold's carriage henceforth um right this seems rather a raw deal i must say and also may i say lung crusher let's take it down a notch do you or do you not work sort of in a roundabout way for me uh i do not that's fine. It's fine. I, I I appreciate I appreciate you standing up for me. It's fine. We'll call it even at four gold. <laughs> yes, I think that's fair. Lung crusher, cough up. <laughs> Give me a persuasion roll. Lucky Can I? Ha- am I helping guys. at all? <laughs> or am I making it worse? <laughs> you're, yeah, you're definitely not helping. <laughs> that's an an eighteen. Uh, he scoffs and says. Uh, no, that's not in my job description. Yes, I will be speaking to Lady Berthold about your job description and whether it will continue to be a job description for long. Now, uh, tell me, person who was hit by the carriage, um, what is your name? It's strange. I feel like I've been hit so hard I'm starting to forget. <laughs> that is a strange name. <laughs> But no matter, my name is uh, Lady Fonlin Vaydark. That sounds pretty fancy. Sounds like someone might have three gold. <laughs> <laughs> do I have three gold? How much gold do I have? Yeah, you've got three gold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to cough up three gold. And as I do it, I think uh, I'm going to pick up your book off the ground and pull out my three gold and take a look at the title. Um... What is the title of this book again? It was The Floral Compendium. Ooh. And have I read this, Dungeon Master? Uh, no. 100% not. You have 15 gold, now 12 gold. That's not as rich as I was <laughs> hoping, but not as poor as I feared. <laughs> it does, uh, your lifestyle does carry play. a certain uh, cost to it that often finds one burning through the coin. Yeah, that's very valid. Looks like this book cost me one gold. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a problem when we're when we're adventuring together because I'm I think I think I'm pretty bad with money, so <laughs> it's working in your favor now, but not for long. <laughs> yes, this uh, what a charming book! I can't say I've read it. Um, yes, I, I, I'm looking forward to to reading it, and thank you for the the gesture of um. Of the, the the payment here that'll that'll definitely cover the damages, um, and and uh, yeah, I'll just completely forget this ever happened. Please give me my book. 
Yes, of course. And, you know, Three Gold is, I think, very fair considering the book was practically ruined. I mean, that one page was completely crumpled up. That's what I'm saying. Yes. It's a nightmare. It's unreadable. (laughs) Again, thank you. And please um, watch where you're going. Um, Well, I wasn't driving, but okay. Let's cool it with the advice. You just stepped in front of a carriage. Okay. Hold on now. Where else am I supposed to step? <laughs> Actually, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way. I see, I scarcely walk anywhere, so I suppose it, it must be rather hard for you folks who are too, um, <clears throat> well, who can't afford a carriage, so. Yes, and I'm starting to think I ripped myself off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the book and tuck it back in my, in my bag here. Excellent. Um, yeah, uh, Fonlalin, you are ushered back into the, the carriage and you continue on your way. Uh, Glimkey, you watch this carriage go by and you kind of start limping your way down the street. You look down and see that your uh, the knee on like your pants has been torn. God. Uh, and you kind of start yeah, limping your way down. It's kind of just like blood. Uh, your head is exposed. Do you pull your cloak back up or? Oh, yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. I guess I, yeah, you, sh- yeah. Perfect. Yeah, you. Can... I yeah. forgot to ask. Did anything strike me as odd about his head? Yeah, I think it would have. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't know. Would it? I imagine. But so. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of retroactive, but I guess uh, <laughs> what you uh, you did see was this little gnome fellow has um, what appears to have uh, it looks like little twigs and and leaves um, kind of sprouting from his hairline, <laughs> um, almost like a little. Um, branch crown not not a crown but you know a <laughs> little little mess of growth coming out of his head amazing i think fondalin might have thought that you were just like rolling in the dirt like you just got like hit by a carriage and <laughs> that honestly true it could possibly yeah it could totally be mistaken as that yeah so as you ruminate on that the carriage continues on for a few more minutes and then pulls up in front of a rather simple looking uh store there is a sign above it with a just like a simple sign it looks like a pair of scissors that are snipping at the chain that holds it up and you make your way inside and you see a a dwarven woman she's looks to be you know in her hundreds or so uh you know fairly young still by dwarven standards uh She's average dwarf height, but she wears tall heels that kind of uh, carry her above uh, the average dwarf. And you see she's wearing this extremely fine uh, dressing, uh, this extremely fine gown that uh, is in these beautiful emerald green tones. And she has uh, some like dark black hair with just like a few streaks of gray in it. And she's wearing a uh, pair of half moon glasses. And you walk in and she kind of claps her hands and says ah you must be lady funnelin vedak welcome to madame fauvermont oh thank you madame fauvermont i've been saying for ages that i'm well overdue for a good scissoring so let's get started ah wonderful we love to scissor here come along (laughs) snip snip Indeed. And uh, yeah, this dwarf kind of uh, takes a tape measure, uh, she pulls it out, and she starts to stretch it along your various measurements, starts to take them down. 
uh, and you watch as she kind of raises up a hand and a pair of uh, scissors start to fly across and land in her hands and then a, uh, she extends her other hand and this, uh, this, this swath of fabric starts to unravel and pours and starts to wrap around you and she starts to snip away and she's kind of muttering to herself she's, ah no this simply will not do um, this waist it is too snatched hmm. And uh, just <laughs> carrying on, uh, uh, and you watch as kind of your your uh, your guard, uh, lung crusher, as you've taken to calling him. He starts to just he kind of posts up near the door, kind of just arms crossed. Uh, Lady Berthold is looking around. There's a fine hat display along one of the side walls, and she's kind of looking at these different elaborate tiered hats with you know, built-in veils and netting, and one that seems to have like an entire bouquet of flowers. Uh, stitched into it and she's like well i suppose i could have a new hat i mean why not after all and uh this goes on for quite some time and i would like you to tell me uh the dress that is made for fornalyn okay um wow i feel like this will be like my my emblematic outfit for the next little while so um i'm thinking today is like a carnation yellow vibe we're talking like um, oranges on yellows hints of red like looking at me right now is a little bit like staring into the sun um but like god damn i look elegant you know like i'm like itself (laughs) wow like pharos itself i'm looking like a like an elegant pharos on earth if pharos was made of plush fabrics um and i would say fondalyn also tends to wear sort of a very iconic to her um long purple dark purple cloak that has sort of an iridescent quality and this dress does not go with that but she does not care nothing quite like wearing the most vibrant red orange yellow dress one can conceive during an, a national emergency time of morning <laughs> <laughs> You know, it didn't occur to me, and I stand by it, but regretfully. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's good. Uh, and as we watch these, yeah, these different swaths of red and orange and yellow start to wrap around and form this dress around you under the guidance of uh, Madame Arlette Fauvemont, uh, you are left there, and we are going to cut away to another part of the city, uh, the Gold District as it were. And we see a fine brick house. There's a set of uh, uh, stairs leading up to it and a dozen gargoyles lining the roof. And for those in the city, especially those that work in the arts, uh, who are artists and practitioners of paint and marble, they would know that this is Bethla House, the home of the Artist Guild of Erdenen, one of the most renowned artist guild in the entire world and all of Zaf. And as we make our way into this storied manor up a spiral staircase of elegant, smooth marble, we find ourselves in a studio. And there's various artists there, humans and half-elves working away. Some are painting, some are sculpting, some are uh, spinning clay. And there is one individual the newest individual, the newest member of the Artist Guild of Erdenine, Clay Campbell, who is working on a piece. Uh, Clay, could you please describe yourself? Uh, yes, I am a tiefling cleric 
I'm six foot something and beefy, <laughs> kind of. Uh, she has bright red skin with black spots, um, brown horns, and pure yellow eyes with no pupil or iris. Whoa. So she's very intimidating looking um, right off the bat, but um, she's wearing like a dusty apron. She has a tail. She has a tail. And nice. she has several gold piercings just like studded in her floppy ears. Uh, so generally her uh, appearance kind of resembles a cow. <laughs> 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 but red a red cow <laughs> is her tail like also like a cow's tail yeah it's like hell yeah long and has a little bush of hair <laughs> like a paintbrush ah, amazing and what is clay working on this fine summer's day i think uh she is distressed um it's been two days since the news broke that the princess is missing and she um was on a job <laughs> that night and she feels really anxious about the princess being gone she feels personally invested in finding the princess um so right now in her little art workspace she is sketching pictures of an owlbear <laughs> just like sketches of um the design on the ring that her friend gave her at the end of the job yeah um so yeah you're working and you're drawing uh owlbear in different poses and as you are working on that you hear uh kind of stompy footsteps and you hear a voice kind of lean over and say that's not very good owlbears don't look like that in real life and you look up and you see parkley the butler of betla house parkley is an elven man who is well over 700 years old he has stringy white hair and a kind of pronounced bald spot on the top of his head uh, and he's wearing a immaculately fitted suit parkley seemed like a friend at first perhaps and in the two days that you have been at betla house uh he's just been a right bastard uh, at every given opportunity uh, he, you know, I think probably you've tolerated it up until now, uh, but he is just relentless with his jabs and snide remarks. And uh, before you have a chance to respond, he says, but furthermore, do you require sustenance, Miss Campbell? We have refreshments and I might bring you something should you desire it. Oh, uh, Parkley, not right now. Um... You say it doesn't look like an owlbear? Can you bring me some books on owlbears or something? Do we have any art references? <sighs> I shall check. And he like hobbles away. He comes by later and he's got a, a, a book, like an encyclopedia of sorts. It's the O uh, version. He says, yeah, there's owlbears in here. And he sets down a cup of tea and says, I also brought you tea in case you require tea. <sighs> Will that be all, Miss Campbell? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and then I'm like distracted by the book. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you start flipping through the book and uh, I don't know. You look at, there's a picture of an owl bear, and yours doesn't seem bad by any means. Um, 
And uh, as you're working on it, you hear another uh, set of footsteps come into the room. This time it sounds like the click clack of high heels. And you hear the voice of Guildmaster Devika say, and she says, Ah, uh, darling, now whatever are you working on now? This does not appear to be in your earlier vein, shall we say? What? What is this? What? What are you doing? Uh, I have struck upon uh, a new inspiration, uh-huh. and I just want to fully explore this. Mm, how wonderful. Mm, we love when the muse strikes. It is like being loved for the first time. It is like inhaling oxygen when one is drowning it is like mm, yes just like that (laughs) can i show her the ring and ask if she's seen anything like it before sure uh you show it to her and she looks at it and she kind of puts it on her finger and then twists it and takes it off and she says "Mm, interesting i'm it's fine craftsmanship, I suppose, but uh, I'm not really sure if it means anything beyond that. It's just an owl there, right? Yeah. Have, have you seen anything like this piece before? Mm, I've never seen an owl bear in person. They're rather fearsome creatures, and I'd be quite terrified to see one in person unless a rugged man or mm, especially butch lady were to... <laughs> Rescue me. <laughs> I take the ring back. <laughs> she looks down yeah. at the tea and says, are you drinking that? Oh, no. Parkley left that for me. And she uh, she says, ah, oh, wonderful. And she reaches over and grabs it and takes a sip and then immediately spits it out and says, mm, salty. <laughs> I think I've learned not to drink the drinks that Parkley brings me. Yeah, it took about, you know, one and a half days. And now here we are, you know, day two. You're... I drank several of them. <laughs> yeah, several salty teas later. You've uh, you've learned to not accept any food or beverage from Parkley. She uh, sits down. I think I foregoed a uh, physical description, mostly because she was just talking from behind you. But as she leans in, uh, you see her and she's wearing this... Uh, revealing gown just you know bodice is you know very very revealing she's got this abundance of jewelry just like several necklaces a ring on every finger uh several earrings of her own Uh, she's got just pale white skin and a large towering wig that tips uh perilously every time she moves her head and as she leans down to get this tea it kind of flops forward and nearly falls off her head and then she sits back up with a dramatic flourish and uh she says oh It's just terrible, isn't it, about the princess? Uh, I think Clay just, like, sighs and is is just like, yeah. (laughs) And she's, uh, I don't know, (laughs) just not really saying anything. And that's okay, because Devakase says enough for the both of you. Because she continues on and she's like, hmm. Now, I heard that the king has put out an, well, rather a reward of sorts for anyone who can rescue the princess. And it just makes me wonder, what would it be like to be kidnapped and to have mm, so many brave knights and adventurers searching for one? It does 
start to create ideas in one's head, I must confess. <laughs> um, is there anyone in your life, <laughs> madame? Oh, there's been lovers, but who would find me if I were to go missing? It's just, uh, it's just, it's so, it's just so much, you know. Uh, I care a lot about the royal family, despite having no real connection to them. And frankly, it's a little odd that anyone be be invested in a family of rich muckety mucks that you know have never thought about me. But yet, uh, I just I care about them so much, and. Mm, well, and she kind of like brushes away the tears for me and her eyes. She says, at the very least, it will create some rather stunning artwork, I have to imagine. I think in times of crises, the artists really flourish. And I just cannot wait to see what you and all of our fellow guild members are able to create in this time of tragedy. Uh, I will do my best. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to your artworks as well. Uh, of course you will. I hope this situation inspires you as it has inspired uh, It's inspired me to do something. Now, I'm off to find Master <laughs> Dramon. Uh, I do not look for us. Thank you. <laughs> and she struts out of the room. Okay. Oh, damn. <laughs> do not look for us. Thank you. <laughs> Those shaky exhales, man. What is going on over know. there? Wistful. I don't know, man. Yeah. Just real horned up. What can I tell you? Yeah, damn, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about men or a particularly butch woman. Uh, <laughs> the dream. Uh, same, dude. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, so Clay, you continue working and Parkley occasionally checks in and uh, bumps into you uh, as you're doing some line work and, you know, starts sweeping under your feet although it clearly is not necessary given that he's done it only an hour previously and just generally making himself a nuisance um and yeah you kind of continue to work throughout the day um you are a new member of the artist guild you've kind of spent the last two days here you've been working through some stuff obviously kind of putting it into your artwork and i don't know what is there anything you hope to accomplish with these owlbear sketches do you hope to turn them into sculptures or a pottery exhibit or are they merely just a way of working through what has happened bit of both it's the only clue she really has so she's just trying to recreate the image on the ring um and just like both work out her like stress and it's also just like a cool ring <laughs> so yeah. she is inspired artistically she might start like more artworks based on all bears. That makes sense. So I would say that you work on that till, you know, later in the afternoon, maybe five, six o'clock, you know, um, still a few hours from supernova, but you, you, you decide, you know, you've put in enough work for the day and uh, you walk past Parkley who's muttering curses under his breath as you depart and you set off onto the street and you don't make it very far before you hear a voice call out and it says, Clay, Clay, wait up, would you? I turn around. Is it? <laughs> it is. It is Sten Dexter. And you see this human man in his early 20s. Uh, he's got sandy blonde hair and really bad acne and his... Uh, like skin is like stained under his fingernails 
and he runs up and you see he's holding a steaming beef patty one in each hand and he says i got you something because i didn't know if uh that elf was still trying to poison you or whatever but i i brought you lunch and he looks up at the sun and says it's a bit late for lunch but uh that's okay we can eat now oh thanks then i'm i'm starving i take the patty uh where are you headed well i was hoping to run into you and so i sat outside all day until i thought it would be time for you to leave and then <laughs> once i got an idea that it was probably time for you to depart i went and grabbed these and i was just gonna walk back uh, i could walk you back home if you want uh different dangerous times and all that okay let's go i'll, wa- I'll walk you back <laughs> wonderful wonderful yeah crazy times ain't it yeah crazy so you you heard what's going on with the princess Oh, I did, I did. It's a right bad time it is. But it does present a unique opportunity for old Dexter here. You see, I have an idea. What's your idea? I'm going to find the princess, and then I'm going to get anything I want. Oh? And then I won't have to work at the dye shop anymore. I can instead, I don't know, marry the princess or become a wizard. The king said you can do whatever you want, so I am going to become a wizard. That's great. Do you have any ideas on how to find the princess? I've got an idea. I've been thinking about the old stories my dad told me. And who kidnaps princesses but dragons? So I'm going to go find the closest dragon and see if it has the princess. Where is the closest dragon? I don't know. (laughs) How are you going to find the dragon? Well, I've got some ideas on that. I was thinking dragons like gold. So I could steal a lot of gold and then put it out in a field somewhere and then see if a dragon comes to find it. Or, alternatively, perhaps the dragon is greedy and it wants two princesses. So I was thinking I could put myself out in a field somewhere and put on a long wig and then tie myself to a post and then just be like, oh no, help me. I've been, help me. I hope no dragons come. And that's my, those are my two working ideas at the moment. So step one, find a dragon. Step two, rescue the princess. Step three, become a wizard. I think you need to work on step one. Hmm. Stealing is not right. I don't think you should steal some gold to do this. Oh, you're right. I'll just tie myself to a post instead. That way, it's a victimless crime. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, just... let's go with that plan. <laughs> okay, perfect. Oh, sounds good. I will see you in a field somewhere, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, as he's walking, uh, you see a gnomish man limping his way up the street. You see that he's bleeding from the knee, and he's carrying a, a torn paper uh, uh, wrapping that's wrapped around a book. And uh, he kind of limps past you as you are walking. Uh, Sten is telling you in great detail about how he's going to make himself look like a princess. Uh, I I like step aside so that we're not standing in his way <laughs> on these narrow streets. The streets are so narrow. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, are, are you all right? I, I, uh, I've been better. Um Thank you for asking, actually. This is the, the most someone's actually reached out to me this entire time I've been here. No, I, I actually work at an infirmary, infirmary down in uh, Bronze Copper District. Copper oh. Well, then perhaps you could yeah, take you a look at this me. Which yeah. is funny because I actually could probably take care of this myself. <laughs> and yet you haven't. Yeah, like a... I didn't have the chance. I was struck by a vehicle. <laughs> oh, did you get their license number? No, but I did get her name, but she did pay me to forget it. Okay. That's good. 
Um, and as I'm like, honestly, I think maybe that bump to the head um, has uh, created a bit of a brain fog, but it is becoming clear. And I'm going to reach down. I'm just going to use some of my lay on hands. Perfect. <laughs> How much damage did you say? I believe seven? it was seven. I think it's seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can see it so now. So you heal yourself for seven? Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 the, 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 the fog in your brain clears up. The seven points of damage that were done to your knee uh, fade away. <laughs> the compression fractures uh, that lined your body uh, are set and are healed. And you are uh, right as rain. And this blonde haired uh, young man looks at you with kind of a shocked expression and says, Well, ain't that just the way? You're a wizard. Well, not quite. <laughs> so listen, <laughs> a wizard. I've got a plan. I'm going to rescue a princess so I can become a wizard. Hey, I also have a plan oh, to rescue the what's princess. Your plan? He stiffens up and says, well, then I suppose that makes us rivals then. No, well, no, let's work together. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Sten, no. you can help with our plan. I'm not just about to hand my plan out for free. <laughs> I'll hand out mine for free if you hand out yours for free. Hmm. Deal. <laughs> and Stan proceeds to tell you about how he's planning on going out into the <laughs> field and tying himself to a post until a dragon kidnaps him. Hmm. I'm surprised to say my idea was quite similar. Oh. Um, <laughs> some slight variation. Less wigs and no dragon. <laughs> similar minds think great. That's what I always say. Mm -hmm. And fools rarely differ. Um, but we'll see about uh, the whole dragon thing. I hadn't had that factored into consideration. I was thinking that it might be someone in the family. <gasps> well, I don't know if you know much about the royal family, but there is King Ferran Galtries and his daughter Callista Galtries, and that's about where the lineage ends. Well, then there it is. It's the father. <laughs> Holy shit, you solved the case already. <laughs> Oh, I'm never going to be a wizard now. Hey, maybe one day. And I clasp him on the back. <laughs> he says, all right, well, Clay, I got to go. I need to go stain some more fabric and work on a convincing dress. And uh, I'll, I'll see you around. I'm not giving up on this dragon idea just yet. Okay, good luck with that. Um, if you stop by the shop later, maybe uh, Madame Arlette can help you with that. Oh, I, that's with a good dress. idea. I don't know if she... Uh, well, maybe... I mean, I think she owes me one. We've given her a few discounts, but yeah. uh, I don't I don't know if I can afford her prices. But yeah, that's a good idea. Because if you're going to do something, you may as well commit to it fully. So while I don't have the money for one of her dresses, I will certainly borrow some money so that I can afford one of her dresses. Because one day I'll be a wizard and I can make my own money. That that's sounds wrong. <laughs> no, that's totally... <laughs> anyway, toodaloo! And he uh, walks down the street, <laughs> popping the rest of his beef patty into his mouth. There's a friend of yours? Yeah, yeah, he uh, works with my landlord. Ah, interesting fellow. And he may be onto something with this whole dragon thing. Yeah, uh, do you know anything about uh, dragons? Do they really kidnap princesses? Well, in the stories that I've heard, yes. <laughs> do you know of any dragons? No. <laughs> Sten didn't really know how to find one. Those were his only ideas. <laughs> To be honest, I've only heard of them in stories and in folk tales and in legend. I, I don't think I know anyone who's actually ever seen one. But, I mean, there's a chance. About probably the same amount of chance that the dad is in on it. So, 
you know, maybe we're as close to solving this um, as one another. Yeah, lots to think about. <laughs> Have I ever seen a tiefling before? <laughs> um, I would say during your time abroad, you spent some time in the elven city of Talon Shan. Uh, which, of course, is a port town. That's how you got to Al Arsha. Uh, I would say in Talonshan, you probably saw a couple of tieflings, and they looked nothing like the individual standing in front of you. That was my second question I was going to ask, was is this the like this spotted red patina that I sense in for me? Uh, is this? Uh, so this is not normal. <laughs> what is normal? Not normal, but you know. You've got trees growing out of your head. They don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely, she seems atypical for uh, your understanding of the world. Oh, well. This looks to be like a cow person, essentially. Yeah, I like your spots. Thank you. (laughs) That's cool. It makes you quite unique. I have something. That makes me quite unique. If you <laughs> and I pull my hood back and I shake my hair, it sounds like wind going through a forest canopy, just whistling amongst rustling leaves. What do I see? Like, what am I looking at? So sticking out of uh, his brown hair, yeah, is is like uh, what looks like small twigs or branches growing out of his out of his hair, and on each of them, there's some small budding leaves, um, uh, some some still coming. Uh, coming to maturity i guess some others uh kind of grown out and hanging from the little twigs oh uh i love your branches <laughs> thank you very stylish how did you do that i don't know <laughs> i well. i uh yeah you know what uh i made a i uh, had a quite a fall and uh woke up with these <laughs> oh so this happened recently uh, yeah, well, I mean, like eight months ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Have they been growing? Have you been, like, giving it sunlight and water? Uh, as much as they need. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel? What does it feel like? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I haven't really thought about it that much. I mean, I, I don't really feel them on my head, but when I touch them with my hands, they feel like twigs. <laughs> <laughs> Have you gotten it checked out by anyone? <laughs> That's a that's an interesting question. Um, no, I actually quite like them the way they are, so I have no interest in fixing it. That's fair. I think it looks good on you. Thank you. Did you have a plan for this whole princess situation? Yes. Okay. So uh, I pull out my sketches of the Albert. Oh, you and have drawings. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um, an Albert arranged for the kidnapping of the princess so not a dragon and not the king this is inspired yeah and and what makes you believe an owlbear has anything to do with it uh i take out the ring as well and i show the ring i'm pretty sure this has something to do with with the princess's disappearance this this ring yeah with the owlbear on it i think Uh, so i may have to take your word for it (laughs) Um, where did you happen across the ring? Uh, so I was working a job, just like a side gig, and... That's not sketchy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, was just I saying... don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, 
but halfway through, I started to get like a weird feeling about the job. It was something was off,、mm. and the delivery was odd. And、um, my friend grabbed this ring from one of the the people who dropped off the package. But as I was carrying the package, I I think it might have been the princess,、oh. and then clay clay breaks down <laughs> into tears. Oh, <laughs> she's、uh, crying. Can I, quick, can I do a quick perception check? I would like to look around for onlookers. Is there people around us? Yeah, give me a perception roll. Is anyone spying on us here? Da, 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 da. Oh no, eleven. There's people on the street.、Um, I think a few people glance over as she starts to cry, but it doesn't appear like anyone's listening in. Okay, so the gnome—that's half this person's height. I'm like squatting next to you, like fully crying. <laughs> um, puts a arm, uh, kind of on their person and kind of tries to g- to gesture you over to the the side of the street here and kind of get out of view. <laughs> It's 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 all right. You you wouldn't have known.、Um, but have have you told anybody else about this? No. Well, have I told anyone else? Would I have told anyone else? I don't think so. I mean, if you want to, have you can. But I don't think you've told Sten. No, And, I've not told Sten. I mean, the, I think the other people in your life that you would tell about this either don't live in this city or were there when it happened. Yeah, I think she was probably bottling up the guilt, and that's why she's sobbing right now. <laughs> well, I I can tell that this this is something that has affected you deeply, and I I'm I'm sure that you had no intention. But I, this is important information. We should we should probably tell somebody. We have to find the princess. We have to find her. <laughs>、uh, I agree.、Um, Perhaps some more information would help, but before we get too deep, perhaps I should ask your name. Oh, <laughs> I'm Clay. What's your name?、Uh, Clay. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you.、Uh, I'm I'm Glimkey. My friends call me Glim or or Kiki or or any number of nicknames.、Um, but you can you can choose one for for me if you'd like. Oh, Glimkey's such a sweet name. Thank you, but I I I, I think we should probably. We should probably find someone who who needs to hear this. No, I、yeah. mean I heard that t- tomorrow they're they're looking for 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 people to to potentially go look for them. So I mean, is it a, a situation where perhaps we could we could save them all the trouble and get them this information? You're right. You're right. I think I think I need to come clean.、Um. <laughs> well, come come clean. I I. I Yeah, I need to go. I need to go. <laughs> I'm like, I start heading towards the ocean crest, the bridge to go into, like towards the, the upper <laughs> district. Okay.、Uh, so yeah, I guess I'm following you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Uh, you kind of turn back the way you came, and you find yourself standing at the base of a、uh, immense set of stairs.、Uh, Glimkey, you see this waterfall, and it's deafening、um, and inexplicable. You see like houses lined up at the base of it. It's just like water flowing past them, 
and uh, somehow people live amongst this constant noise and you don't really understand how and you climb this set of stairs this thick stone stairway and you see this bridge that uh, spans across uh, this uh, like kind of alongside at the top of this waterfall spans over to a nearby island and uh, standing in front of the two of you is several guards uh, kind of dressed in uniform they've got uh, halberds helmets on and the one guard is a kind of overweight human guy he's got a kind of a friar tuck sort of uh you know bald spot on top kind of horseshoe sort of hairstyle and he says what's your business i i have to speak to the captain of the guard i saw the princess i saw her well <laughs> Oh, hold, hold on. We we think we saw her, right? I'm like, Clay is a wreck right now. She's just like still like tear tracked. <laughs> uh, give me a persuasion roll. Eighteen. Okay, wait. Persuasion plus four. Oh my gosh. Okay, twenty-two. <laughs> twenty-two. He uh kind of furrows his his brow and says, "You've seen the princess, have you?" Yeah, I, I saw her. I saw her. All right. Uh, well. You've seen the princess. All right, follow me then. Come along. And I, I'm coming too. <laughs> yeah, I'm like holding it. I'm holding Glimkey's hand, and I'm <laughs> Here we go. The two of you make your way over the Ocean Crest Bridge, and into the Sapphire District. It's kind of the uh, first of the nicer districts in the city. Uh, it's on this island connected by several bridges to other parts of the city and you are led through some very just wide streets easily enough for people and carriages to navigate simultaneously it is a marked <laughs> ah, improvement wow, <laughs> uh, clay this is probably your first time uh in this area at least in the daytime and uh glimkey of course this is your first time here ever and you are led to a rather uh, nice-looking, but simple, no fancy adornments. And the guard uh, brings you inside, and he uh, speaks to another guard on duty and kind of whispers something to him. And the, the second guard looks over at the two of you and kind of raises his eyebrows a bit and uh, shrugs his, his shoulders. Do I, do I recognize any of the guards? Give me either an insight or just a just a raw intelligence roll. That was a devious smile from Zach. Not 20, though. Not 20. <laughs> the guard whose eyebrows have raised looks familiar. And you have the feeling that the two of you nearly came face to face a few short nights ago when you set off a flare in front of his eyes to uh, distract him as you made your way through a part of the city you had no business being in. I... Can I, can I roll insight when he, he raises his eyebrows? Sure. Uh, 14. The expression that crosses his face is not one that indicates passing or benign interest. It definitely seems like 
he is immediately trying it, you think maybe he hasn't put the pieces together but you can see it like mm. your presence means something to him and you know sure as hell it's nothing to do with you okay i i want to pull on your hand here clay uh-huh. <laughs> You're like okay um not to alarm you but I, um <laughs> i just want to be sure with how sure you are <laughs> With that you saw the princess. You said there was a package, right? I saw Behind her. Before well, the... <laughs> I, it was shaped like a princess. <laughs> and it, it, uh, it, it made sounds. <laughs> the package okay. was... Well, okay, look at me, Clay. Look at me <laughs> in the eyes. <laughs> I look at him. The, the man over there seems to recognize you, it's, it seems. Don't so... look at him. Don't look at him. <laughs> I'm not looking. <laughs> But I think it's important to get our story straight before something happens. We have to tell them about the owl bear. I didn't see an owl bear. <laughs> I showed him the owl bear. <laughs> I, yes, 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 yes. I, I remember the drawings and I remember the ring. Someone took the princess. She's kidnapped. I, I, I okay. Uh, yes, I think I have the portions covered. So if whatever happens now, that's the story we stick to. <laughs> okay. Okay. And the uh, guard who raised his eyebrows, he kind of stands up and his eyes are fixed on you, Clay. Uh, And he kind of like is squinting a bit and he says, "Hmm, all right, um, you've got information for the captain? Yes. Can we speak to him? Certainly. And he leads you into a, a side room. Uh, it's a simply decorated office. There is a, a large wooden desk kind of you know, two-thirds of the way back sitting behind it. There's an uh, individual. He's a human man. He's got short shaved like head. Uh, he looks like he's maybe late 50s. And he kind of glances up. Uh, you see he's got these heavy bags under his eyes. He glances up at the three of you as you enter. And uh, the, the guard who brought you in kind of closes the door. Uh, but does not leave the room and he kind of just stands there at attention and the captain uh, of the guard says yes can i help you two nights ago i think i saw the princess and she's been kidnapped she's been taken very interesting now might i inquire as to uh, how and when you saw the princess yes it was um at the docks (laughs) At Pearl District. Interesting. And might I ask what the princess was doing at the time that you purportedly saw her? Being kidnapped. She was being kidnapped. Someone took her. Uh, do you have a description of who it was that took her? I pull out my drawings of the Albert and I lay them all on the table and they look like mad scribbles of this Albert. He glances over at the uh the guard the other guard in the room and he says now just to be clear you are saying that you saw the princess two nights ago the night she went missing and an owl bear took her does that can i tell if anyone recognizes the owl bear uh you can make an inside roll yes i would like to do that um seven you know with a seven you don't seem to think he recognizes it beyond the obvious of what it is. Uh, and 
your insight is kind of uh, replaced. Whatever you might have gleaned is replaced by him saying, Kenneth, why did you bring her in here? Why did you bring them in here? This is clearly a waste of my time. I've got more important things to be worried about. The king will have my head if his daughter is not returned. Well, wait, hold on, sir. I don't mean to interrupt. Like, I, I, I please, please stop, stop me if I'm wrong, Clay. Um, but I just met this person. Um, ah, good. Maybe six minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, I'd like to call myself a pretty decent judge of character, and I, I'm compelled to believe that. She, She's telling the truth. You don't really see it so much as you sense it, but the uh, guard who escorted you into the room has kind of started to like work his way over to the side to get a better look at your faces. I, I turn to keep my <laughs> back to the guard. I mean, I mean, look at her. She's a wreck. She's been crying the whole time. <clears throat> <laughs> You have to believe me. I saw the princess. She's gone. We have to go after her. Well, he got a nat 20 on his insight. And he says, hmm. All right. Do you happen to know what she was doing at the docks? Could you sort of expand upon that? And you do notice that he does like reach for a notepad and a quill and he starts to actually take some notes to your credit. She was being kidnapped. She was... She was Yes, but what does that mean? Was she being thrown into a burlap sack? What does that mean? She was in a package. She was in a package and there were men on the little boat and they took her. It was a boat. Yes. Interesting. And at this point, the second guard, Kenneth, he says... Is Kenneth the one that recognized? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, boss, I think I've seen her somewhere. Yeah, you you saw us in the lobby, Kenneth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's not it. And I'm going to have him roll to see if he can recall where he's seen your face. Okay. I'm going to say on a 14 or higher, he will immediately realize where he's seen you. Less than that, he might not make the connection till later or not at all, but... We'll start with this roll. Okay, perfect. Right when he's looking, I'm going to use Minor Illusion to, to make a clambering of sounds in the hallway outside. <laughs> like something <laughs> fell over. Okay. Uh, you create an auditory distraction, and I'm going to say that will give disadvantage to his roll. The first roll was a 15. <sighs> roll again, roll again. The second one was a 9. <laughs> and Kenneth the guard is staring at you and then there's a sudden clash or crash outside and he turns his head and the captain says check on that would you and he says alright and steps out of the room <sighs> the captain pardon Duthane he kind of looks at you and says alright do you happen to know you said she was did you say she was being Placed upon a boat? Yes. She was in a package. Do you happen to know the name of the ship in question? Do I? Do I remember seeing an, a name on the boat? I'm going to have you make a retroactive perception check from the night that this all took place. Okay. Oh, jeez. 
six. You think the name started with a K. Okay. It started that's with all a K. You remember. All right. Started with a K. <gasps> For king. <laughs> I vaguely remember there being two. Were there two figures on the boat? There was. And they were cloaked, and I didn't see anything. And an owl bear. It. The owl bear has something to do with it. They were working for the owl bear. What? The captain uh, nods his head and says, oh, "Very good." Um. Is there any more information you wish to share at this time? What are you going to do about this? Are you going to go after, like, how? <laughs> you have to save her. She has to be saved. I am aware of my duties as captain of the King's Guard, and I will do everything in my powers to find the princess that I am able to. I do not need you telling me <laughs> how to do my job. Yes, sorry, uh, sorry, Captain, sir. Uh, obviously, my friend here is incredibly distraught. She just really wants the princess to be be saved here but if there's nothing else we have to share then perhaps we can be on our way right clay have you found anything yet right have, clay are there any <laughs> Where is i am afraid that is classified information why aren't you aren't people going out to look for her shouldn't shouldn't everyone share their the clues <laughs> tomorrow it is my understanding that the king or perhaps his evil vizier shall make any requisite information publicly available. His who what? What? <laughs> uh, the king's evil vizier. His evil vizier? What? Yes. Is that his official title? Like he has like evil vizier and then good yes. vizier? There is not a good vizier. There is just the oh. evil vizier. I think, Clay, I think that's that's more than fair. And you've done more than you had, you know, than anyone has asked of you at this point. And okay. You should feel good that you did the right thing. All right. I think Clay lets herself, like, slump and get, like, leaves with Glimkey. Okay. Uh, yeah, you are escorted outside and then furthermore back to the Ocean Crest Bridge and uh, back to the Gold District. The guard that originally brought you in kind of nods at you as you go. He's returned to his station. And where do you go from here? What time is it now? I'd say it's getting towards evening. Uh, the sun is still in the sky, but probably won't be for long. I guess I ask Gimkley, hey, where are you staying today? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I was hoping to find some place after um, I got my book. Um, and then I was struck by a vehicle and then um, tied up into this dramatic unveiling. Um, you know, I, do you have anywhere that, that you know, I, I might be able to crash? Yeah, so I'm staying right now uh, above a tailor shop. Oh. You're pretty small. You might be able to just... Uh... Sneak on in. Yeah. And that sounds pretty good because, I mean, I got a big hole in my pants. <laughs> Yeah, Perhaps yeah. They could, I, I can look. We can work out a deal. <laughs> I can patch that up for you. I've got some scraps from the tailor shop. Ah, that would be more than kind. And perhaps over the evening, I can pick your brain about this job that you're being super vague about. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can think about how how to save the princess. <laughs> yes, I've got some more, more ideas. 
I'm gonna be honest, like, write me out of the story. I want the buddy cop adventure that is these two just hanging out. Like, the vibes are perfect. We do not need me. Unfortunately, we can't write you out of the story because they make their way back towards the Silver District. Yeah, we're going this bitch they, again. As they do so, uh, you arrive at Madame Fauvemont's uh, tailor shop and you see that there is a carriage uh, parked outside. And there is a uh, rather bored-looking gnome uh, sitting atop it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and he glances over and sees you and says, Oh, what's the big idea? We already paid you off. <laughs> Listen, I I didn't want to run into you more than you wanted to run into me. I can assure I'd you I'd run that. into you if I had the chance, I'll tell you that much. Step in front of my horses. <laughs> <laughs> you did that already. Oh, all right, yeah, that's true, and I'll do it again. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> Yeah, well, why don't you just open your your stupid eyes next time, huh? What's going on here? This lovely fellow ran over me with his cart. <laughs> this this, this lovely scary. fellow nearly broke my horse's leg. Okay, I'm three feet tall. <laughs> I as am I. Well, watch where you're going next time. Yeah, watch where you're going next time. No, <laughs> I don't know. You know what? It's fine. We're better than this. Okay, let's go. <laughs> you're not. You're really not. You think you no, are, but are. you're not. No, we are. <laughs> Have fun living your life sitting atop a carriage. We get to go walk around freely. Thanks. <laughs> it feels pretty good. View's great from up here. And I don't get run over. <laughs> you think he's tied to the carriage? I'll be I mean, I haven't seen him leave. <laughs> Said th- he said five gold is how much of your time's pay? Uh, a-, a week's pay. Yikes. <laughs> I walk inside. You step inside and you see a familiar looking elven woman uh, standing upon a little uh, round, I don't know, there's probably a word for it. I'm not a fancy guy. A round little thing on the ground that's kind of like a stool, but too short. And it allows the tailor to see her better, but it doesn't make her off- very high off the ground. And if you can't picture that, then I guess you're a bad listener. So... <laughs> Uh, you see a elven woman and she's slowly uh, being wrapped in fabric uh, that has uh, kind of taken on the appearance of a dress in the few hours that she's been here. Uh, she's wearing this poofy wig and uh, you see a dwarven woman that you, Clay, would recognize as Madame Arlette Fauvemont and she is kind of clicking her teeth as she uh, kind of cocks her head a little bit and then she kind of whisks her fingers through the air and you watch the scissors kind of go snip, snip, snip and she says... It is finished. How do I look? Stunning. Roll, roll for snatchedness. <laughs> yeah. Should I roll for snatchedness? Please. Oh my god, that's another 19! <laughs> no one will argue that this dress isn't incredibly inappropriate given the current national crisis. But in the same breath, no one will argue that you aren't rocking the hell out of it. <laughs> Just everything in different shades of gray and black. This one woman's just strutting around. <laughs> another successful scissoring. Ah, and ha. Another, another successful. I I grab a broom and start like sweeping away the bright yellow and orange scraps from the floor. Ah, Clay, wonderful to see you. Uh, I noticed there was some dust in the corners. Could you make sure you are, mm, are better yes, about that? Of course, ma'am. Uh, is it all right if a friend stays over with me today? Hi. And I'm like, <laughs> more sweeping. 
Madame Fauvelon rolls a seven on her insight and says, yes, go ahead, girl. Get it. We love this. <laughs> Great. Thanks, ma'am. And then I'll, I'll just go back to sweeping. Have I seen Glimkey? Uh, yeah, you kind of, as as you hear conversation, uh, you kind of turn your head and you see this familiar looking gnome standing uh, before you. Oh my god, it's the victim! <laughs> That's me. <laughs> How are you feeling? You look, well, you, you have a little something in your hair, but otherwise you look, you know, quite un, unhit by a carriage. Yes, I, um, I'm feeling much better. Um, you know, I, I... I do wish to to say thank you again for you know your kindness and standing up for for me, but by God, the people that you employ are terrible. Yeah, your your carriage driver is kind of rude. Oh my God! Don't even. Is, where's Lady Amala? She is uh, trying on her thirtieth hat of the fitting session, and she says, "Well, perhaps this one. Well, well, no, the other one did look better. Well, okay. I could just get them all." <laughs> I'm going to hike up my immense skirts and like scooch over closer to uh, Clay and Glimkey and say, between you and I, um, Lady Amala drinks rather profusely. So I, I rather suspect that the, the help she hires are sort of seen through um, colored lenses, if you will. Um, mm. But that's none of my business. Now, what's the word on the street? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. What's the hot goss? What's the layperson's news? What's 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 the rabble, ribble rabbling about? Um, what was your name again? <laughs> oh, I'm Lady Fonalyn Vadark, and you were um strange. Lady Vadark. Something about a carriage. Something. Remind me. Yes. Uh, from the corner of the room near the door, you hear beloved friend of the show, Crombeck Lungcrusher, say, "I call him Speed Bump." God. <laughs> Damn it, he's been here the whole time. <laughs> Damn right, I've been here the whole time. Uh, thank you, Lungcrusher. It's not called for. Well, um, I mean, the only, like, I'm assuming you all know, I mean, I just got here and all I've heard is the talk of this missing princess. And, I mean, our friend here, obviously distraught. She's just trying to get some space for herself. Um, and, yeah, that's that's about as much as I'm willing to tell a stranger in a bright yellow dress. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I respect the discretion, though I must say I'm rather disappointed. Now, say, just hypothetically, what if there were sort of a a gold piece in it for you? Because, you know, I, I'm a woman of many means, but in my circles, you see, people can be rather tight-lipped about rather recent um, kidnapping slash disappearances. And um, I'd rather like to know if anyone has any sort of, you know, it's fine if not, but, you know, there would be rather a piece of gold in it for you so i mean the information that is in mine ears is probably not mine to share i mean if there's anyone you'd like to to talk to perhaps it's clay <laughs> immediately turn to clay like whip my head over to clay my <laughs> wig like <whoop. laughs> the owlbears did it she was kidnapped the owlbears you see yeah. you say I, I already told the guards hold on I'm, <laughs> and, and, and glimpy steps in between the two of them you forgot the part where you were supposed to negotiate the cost for the information that she offered. <laughs> but it's fine. I pay all of my... I, I pay my associates well. You you needn't worry. Uh, what did I say? Five silver pieces? Mm. <laughs> sure. You said, you, said, <laughs> you said gold piece earlier. 
did I say two gold? Mm, yeah. You're probably right. Anyway, you were saying it was the owl. It was the owl bears. I take out my sketch again. <laughs> I'm gonna take this. Show it to everyone. Sorry, darling. Do you mean a literal owl bear? I I show her the sketch. Have you seen this before? Have I? The Elven Kingdom of Ulithorthiad is magic incarnate. The weave is woven into every strand of grass, every leaf of every tree. It is a place where nature and arcana live in constant harmony. And that sometimes results in some really weird shit, like owl bears. And I would say you have seen an owl bear or two uh, in your past days, perhaps on a family outing or otherwise. Um, they are fearsome creatures, and I would say you probably saw them in a zoo. Okay. Why, yes, I, I have seen that. Wait, are you serious? Yes, I'm being completely serious. I've seen that. Clay, I, you're onto something. So this, this is all real. The the owl bear is really up, up to something here. Where did you see them? Yeah, where did you see it? Well, I, I, I don't think that I should reveal my sources until I hear something a little more coherent than the owl bears took her. She's gone. I pull out the ring and I'm like, "Do you recognize this? Do I recognize it?" Give me a history roll with advantage. Okay, that was an eight and a nine. And my history is a plus zero. Thanks for the advantage. Did not help. You do recognize it. That was a low DC, eh? But in the sense that it's familiar to you. With an eight slash nine, you cannot place it. But you know you've seen it. And I would say with a nine, you believe it is the symbol of one of the noble houses of Erdenim. Though at this time, you cannot place which house it belongs to. What I wanted to ask was, did I see this symbol at a recent soiree? <gasps> Possibly. Okay. Gintless. Gintless. <laughs> <laughs> I think the person who took the princess, um, they were wearing this this ring. Okay, hold on a minute. This element of the story was left out. The owlbear took them, and now there's someone that was sporting this ring? Now we're on to something. My friend took this ring off of someone who was, who was kidnapping the princess. Oh my god. Wait, you, hold on, you... You dealt hand-to-hand -hand with the people that took the princess? My friend took it without them knowing. Clay, is there, a more, is there a more private area that we could perhaps have this conversation? I was just going to say. You're not listening, are you, Lung Crusher? <laughs> nope, not listening at all. Uh, but then I'm, I'm going upstairs with my friends and I bring them to my room. Wait, wait, wait. I, I don't know if it's rather appropriate for me to be seen crawling upstairs with, um, well, the help, really? I, I, I feel... I hope that's not an offensive term. It just seems accurate because you were being rather helpful downstairs. Um, so I was going to say, shall we have a little rendezvous, perhaps something under the cover of darkness, you know, rather some um, subterfuge. Perhaps we could meet at night somewhere secret away from Lung Crusher and talk. Ah, this is an interesting idea. As long as you don't wear that dress. Do you not like my dress? Well, no, I'm just it's saying that. Fetching. It's 
whatever dark area you choose will seem as bright as the day. <laughs> oh, well, you see, the darkness makes other things dark as well, so this dress will practically be black in the in the nighttime. Mm. That's how nighttime works. I will believe it when I see it. For co- <laughs> for reference, Fonalyn's glasses are like very dark tinted. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a beautiful dress, Madame Fauvemont. Oh, I think it's no. I sorry, don't don't get me wrong. It's it's a stunning piece of of uh, garment there, but I it is a bit um overt. If I could use that as a, as a description. Note taken, and notes always you know go down easier with a compliment, and I received two of those, so I'm I'm happy as a clown. Um, what were both of your names? Or should we use code names? Yes, let's use code names. Um, um, I will be. Rumpus, <laughs> and what will, and what will the two of you be? Well, my name's Clay. <laughs> no, shush! Don't tell me. But it is very nice to meet you, Clay. And my name's Fonalyn. <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh, they they call me Glimkey, and I will also be Rumpus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and Clay, do you also want to be Rumpus, just to keep things really easy? Yes. Excellent. That will be very easy to follow, and it will certainly make our subterfuge much more subtle. So where are we going? I think it just makes the name more common, because if somebody's like, I've never heard a person named Rumpus, I'd be like, well, I'm named Rumpus too. We're normalizing <laughs> so. it. We're normalizing Rumpus, and I think that's important. Yes, I'm glad we're on the same page. Now, I I live in a, in a, in a um, tasteful little joint in the Sapphire District, Um it's the Bertholdt Manor. If you can make your way to the Sapphire District tonight, say midnight, um, I can meet you. What? What word are you saying? Sapphire District. Sapphire. Sapphire. It's a gem. Oh. Oh, I've never. Sapphire. You live in the Sapphire District? I've never met anyone who lives there. Yes, in the Sapphire District. Yes, we're all on the same page. Very good. It's very elite. If you both come to the Sapphire District and go to the Berthold Manor tonight, I will meet you in the yard. I know a discreet place in the yard where we can speak. We shan't be heard anywhere. I could see that being a problem. We had guards. I know how to get the sewers lead right there. <laughs> Never mind. Clay will show me in. Yeah. yeah. Rumpus knows. I had a feeling Rumpus would know. Well done. Could I get a group stealth check? Oh, Dang no. it. <laughs> this is why I wanted to meet it under the guise of night. This is why I wanted to bring you to my room. Uh, oh, it's it's really good because I have disadvantage on stealth. Uh, you can forgo the disadvantage this time. Okay, good, 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 okay. good. That's really, really good because um, I got a two. Okay. <laughs> I got a 19. Wow, 19s across the room. Oh, sorry, plus one, three. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that does make a difference. Um, very good. Carry on. Yes, uh, Rumpus and Rumpus. Uh, I say we see Saul uh, um, talking until our rendezvous at the Sapphire area. Yes, the Berthold Manor. Don't screw me on this. I think we can really help each other out. And I, I agree. And for the matter of the two gold we were promised. <laughs> I haven't forgotten. And I'm going to take out two gold pieces and hand it over. Yay, one each. <laughs> I'll give that to Clay. I think she's earned it. No, nah, it's one one gold each. <laughs> hey, hey, and look at that. We're back to ten. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna add 
to my gold. I now have 25 gold. Oh! <laughs> I'm down to 10! <laughs> At that point, uh, Lady Amala, she calls over and says, Lady Vedok, are you ready to depart? Yes, darling. I was just um, chit-chatting about, you know, the wink-wink situation with the wink-wink cuckoldry. Um, <laughs> and I walk over to Lady Amala without another word to these two. She says, mm. I'm sure you were. She's kind of got like a little smirk eating at one side of her face. Can I see if she bought any hats? Uh, I was just going to ask. Yes. You see that the guard, uh, the hired guard, Crombeck Lungcrusher, is currently carrying a stack of about 10 hat boxes that are teetering precariously. God, I need to be extorting her more. She is so rich. And uh, she steps out into the evening air and Crombeck manages to navigate out the doorway without dropping any hat boxes, and the shop goes quiet. Uh, Fonalin, as you are riding back to the Sapphire District, if you will, uh, to put it simply, the sun explodes. Nice. Which, in other worlds, this may be cause for alarm, but here it is a regular occurrence as Pharos, the sun phoenix, uh, erupts. It starts to glow this bright red hot uh, glow and then it's supernovas and you watch as cosmic particles are scattered across the sky and the night uh, is immediately ushered in. And there's kind of this afterglow for a second and then it kind of fades and you see that the two, the two moons are glowing, uh, providing a bit of pale light on this evening, the moons are always full on Zav, and you begin to make your way uh, back to Berthold Manor. And as the three of you make plans to rendezvous later this night to discuss what you have learned and what you suspect, that is where we will end the first episode of Bard Soup! <gasps> Yay! Wow. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Bard Soup. My name is Zach Meikle. I am the dungeon master for this group. I am joined by Prima Zhao as Clay Campbell, Jordan Johnson as Glimkey Treefellow, and Shannon Meikle as Faunal and Vaydark. We're just a wee baby podcast, and it would really help us to grow if you could give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or just tell someone you know about us. There was a few sound problems in our first couple recording sessions, but I promise those get resolved pretty early on. And we've got a lot of really great things planned for the future that we're excited to share with you. So we hope you come along for the journey. New episodes come out every Wednesday. So we will see you next Wednesday.